0: God, praise God. Got to push the right buttons in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Amen. When I first came into the church back in the, in the 70s, I, um, they told me that anything that was, well, they, some people did, not everybody. They told me that if I listened to upbeat music, I had to be very careful. And you must understand, I came out of rock and roll, jazz, all of that stuff, and, um, and it was just different to me. And your hymnals were good. I mean, I, I wasn't complaining, but I, boy, I sure needed a little more than that. And there was a group, um, and some of you might remember this, there was a group that was singing, and I just was impressed with their harmonies. I mean, my goodness, they, they, uh, I thought, wow, these folks are pretty good. And it, was, and, and it was unique, because the name of the group was called the Second Chapter of Acts. And, um, and f- that's exactly what God was dealing with me about, was the second chapter of the book of Acts, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And um, I think one the, the lady's name was Annie Herring, I think was her name. She was the oldest uh, sister. It was, a, it was a family, actually, it was. It was a family that their parents had died. I found out that their parents had died back in the 60s, I think, and and. Um, and the oldest daughter was married, and so the other two siblings moved in with her, and, um, and they just would come around the piano and they would begin to sing, and they, they sang hymns and stuff like that, and, and she had, the oldest daughter, had a little bit of uh, songwriting um, uh, talent, and she began to write some music. Uh, she was married to a man who was a producer, a music producer. He would go into the studio. Back in those days, you had to have one of them. When I was in a gospel group back in the early 80s, um, we went down to Elba, I think it was Elba, Illinois, and we recorded in this studio. It was neat. It really was. And we had a guy in there that was a producer, and he could do a lot of different things, and he would make the music sound a whole lot better. Um, but the point of it is they began to put on an album, and they put on an album, and one of the songs was called The Easter Song. And I'll just, I never forgot that. I just, and, and these were things that God brought into my life, um, another individual, many of you might remember him or not. I don't know. Does anybody remember the second chapter of the book of Acts? Am I the only one? man alive? Yeah wow, that's that is aging me. Um, and and uh, another guy who was um, I would um, listen to some of his stuff too, um, who was an individual, was a guy named Keith Green. I don't does anybody remember Keith Green? Yeah. And he played that Easter song. And he would do concerts um, back in those days. In fact, that's how he died. He died going to, I think, a concert in a small plane. And his plane um, crashed. And he died prematurely. I'm not trying to be morbid or, or pessimistic in that type of thing. But it's amazing what God uses in our lives to bring him attention. Praise God. And Keith Green would play the piano, and he would go to at concerts a lot of times, and it would be just him and the piano, and I was kind of thinking of that this morning when I was here, you know. We sometimes have a, have a platform full of instruments that are playing, and that's good. Can somebody say amen? amen. Sometimes I got a Keith Green it. <laughs> yeah, and I keep thinking of that. I think, man, that, that meant a lot to me, and so um, I hope that, um, you know, what we're doing here this morning will bring attention to some things that are flowing into your life right now, these songs. Amen. I, what I do when I come here, I, it's my job to lead music on Sunday morning. And so one of the things I'll do when I come here, I come always come to church uh, about an hour and a half you know, early and that type of thing, because I, that's what I like to do. It's like the light switch, okay? <laughs> okay? I just, it's always been a good thing for me to get to church early. And so I do that, and I come in here, and sometimes Brother Jerry's here, sometimes he's, he's not here, and I'll come up here to this thing here, and I'll just go through the songs, and I'll just randomly, with the help of the Lord, I'll just pick out. If You can see on my thing here, I got about 10 of those songs, 12 of those songs on there, and then as I begin to play that music, you know, on Sunday mornings, um, and I know the, the gals don't, and I'm not telling you what to do. I, they have a nice list, and um, and they, they, we know exactly where we're going on Sunday nights a lot of times, and that's good. I, I need that, but on Sunday mornings I don't. I just get a bunch of songs together, and, I, and they're of course godly songs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play In a Da Vida, or I'm not going to do Smoke on the Water, any of that kind of stuff. Okay, they're going to be godly songs, you know. But I'll just randomly go through that, and as, as I usually, what'll happen to me, and, I, and, and maybe this will happen to you someday is that when I get one song, I'll begin to play it, and usually by the end of that song, God will show me, he'll say, this is, the, this is the next song, and that's how it works to me. And the reason I'm saying all of this is the purpose of this is to try to bring some attention to you about how God is working in your life. Amen. You know, we sang that chorus, The Word of God Speak, and, and it does. Right. I'm telling you, the Word of God is very, very, very um, prevalent in our world today. Um, our challenge is, is that we have a lot of things you know, that distract that. And sometimes that's why I appreciate the house of God. I appreciate times like this is we can come in and we can literally just push a lot of things back and we can at least for an hour or so, we can just begin to focus on the things of God. Amen. Now something I have learned, and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it too, is I do that throughout the week. Amen, because I want to hear what God's word is saying to me. I want, I want to know what God has got, the specific direction, because I believe in, in, in that specific direction in Jesus' name. Let me show you something here right off the bat here that I feel like the Lord will speak to you about right off. He will, okay? Let me show you something. It's found in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter number 6 at our senior meeting last night. We talked a little bit about this, but I thought this would be something I would bring up to you folks right off the bat. Amen. The sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews um, um, is a tremendous, um, well, the whole book of Hebrews is a tremendous book. If you ever want to want the Old Testament purpose in a condensed version, read the book of Hebrews. It'll show you that. It'll show you some of the things that got accomplished in the Old Testament, why they were there, and how the New Testament is a, is a better thing and how things are getting accomplished now. It's just a tremendous book, only 13 chapters, but it's very deep, and it, and it goes into a lot of things. Well, in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, about in the middle of it, it says something here that I feel like is very important to everybody, and it has the subject t- content is doctrine. And I know today in denominational circles, that's kind of a bad word. They don't want you coming in and, well, this is your doctrine, this is my doctrine, and this is how you believe, and this is how we take it, and all that kind of stuff. And I agree, I don't believe in that kind of stuff anymore either. But I want you to understand, it's kind of like music. See, we had people in the church back in Dubuque when I first came into the church that did not want drums in the church. And I'm not criticizing them. Please, this is not a critical uh, statement. It's just how they believed. And the reason they didn't want drums in the church is because of how the world, music, and I understood exactly what they were talking about. You know, several bands that I was in, the guy played a double bass set of drums. And I mean to tell you, it was you, you, could, you could feel it in, your, in, in you, I mean, the drums and that kind of stuff. So I understand what, where they were coming from. But it didn't click to me, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, I was just trying to behave myself, you know, because I was brand new in the church, and I wasn't going to come in there and tell people how to do things, but it just never made sense to me. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and it was because of the book of Acts. When Peter was up on that housetop, you know, right before he went to Cornelius' house, it's in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, you can study this for yourself, it's a good good study. Peter's hang-up was he was a Jew. And the Jewish tradition was you don't go to, you know, Gentile houses. You don't go to places that, you know, that are no-no. And in the Old Testament, that is certainly true. You know, if you, had, if you wanted to come to God, you had to come through the Jewish vehicle. And there were many people that did in the Old Testament. But God was opening up a huge door in the New Testament. The Bible says, you know, um, uh, the repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Now the next verse in in chapter 2 of Acts is, For the promise is unto you, and unto your children, and unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. Many people, because of their traditions back then, missed that. That God was literally opening up the door for all of humanity to come through that door of, of salvation through, through the repentance, baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost. And if you'll study the first few chapters of the book of Acts, you're going to find they didn't get it because they tried to build a megachurch in Jerusalem. Literally, that's what they were going to do. They were going to try to build a huge Jewish apostolic church, which I'm not being critical again, but it wasn't all what God wanted. And so in the 10th chapter, it actually began in the 8th chapter with the Samaritans, but God began to deal with those people, those leaders, and Peter was one that God got in contact with. And he gave him a vision, a vision that Peter was very, very well versed on, and that was unclean and clean animals. If If you're an Old Testament, which I believe in the relevancy of the Old Testament, folks, in the Old Testament, one of the pure uh, things that God gave to the nation of Israel along with commandments and and ways to do things was he gave them the dietary law. God knows what's good for us and what isn't. And so he told them, these are the things I want you to eat, these are the things I want you to stay away from. And I think it still serves a good purpose today, you know, I think sometimes we have to be careful that we're asking God to lower our cholesterol, but all we're doing is pumping it into us. Now that's meat. Because that's one thing about I just had my blood work done. You know, my, my heart rate is 118 over 71. Pretty good, isn't it? But that's not the only thing. Praise God. And the doctor brought to my attention. He said, your cholesterol's a little borderline. I come by that honestly. My mother, that's one of the only p- problems she's ever had in life. I mean, I'm talking about physically. So now I have to watch that. Amen. Well, I could say, well, God, just take that away. God says, no, watch it. Well, God, take it away. No, you watch it. Now, that little parable I just gave you, I think somebody here got the true meaning of that in your own life. Watch it. Yes. My goodness, where was I? I was in Acts, wasn't I? Okay, Peter. Okay, Peter sees this vision, and it's a vision of unclean and clean animals coming down in a sheet. And, you know, the Lord says, go ahead and eat. Go ahead and partake of it. And Peter, being that staunch Jew, says, no, Lord, we don't do those kind of things. And God makes a statement to him. He says, whatsoever I have cleansed, don't you call that unclean. In a way, it was kind of a rebuke. That get with it, Peter. And, you know, I'm like Peter, you know, sometimes God will show me things in dreams. He'll show me things through his word. And I'll go around all day just scratching my head going, oh, what does that mean? I wonder what God's really trying to get across. And all of a sudden, I'll come into a place like this, or I'll come into a prayer meeting, or I'll go into a Bible study and that type of thing, and all of a sudden, while I'm teaching the Word, or while I'm doing things that God... Usually a lot of when God speaks to me, it's while I'm doing what He wants me to do. Somebody please take note of that. That God can easily show you what He wants for you when you're already doing what you know He wants you to do. So consider that. Sometimes we want to be way off in left field and we want God to shout at us and, and you, know, d- you know, drop airplanes and all that stuff. And w- when we have the privilege every day to come close to God. Right. Amen. And that's why I'm, I'm getting to the doctrine here pretty soon because I want you to understand that this is one way to keep us close to God. Right. And so Peter's scratching his head and while he gets the last of the vision, comes a knock on the door. And there's these guys that came from Cornelius' house. And they, they say, man, you know, Cornelius is a good guy. He's our boss. He told us to come over here and get you, and you're supposed to come with us, and you're going to teach us what we need to do for God. Amen. Whoa, Peter's probably going, really? Well, okay, I just on faith, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll walk over there. You know, and so Peter comes into the house of Cornelius, and in the meantime, Cornelius is excited. He's praying. He wants to know what God wants. Word of God, speak. I don't think the song was out yet, but I'm telling you something, if it was, I believe that would have been Cornelius, that would have been his song, word of God, speak to me, and so Cornelius, man, he's excited, he gets the whole family gathered, plus probably many of the neighbors, and he's got them all gathered, and Peter walks into the room, or walks into the house, you know, and all of a sudden, the scales come down from his eyes, And and he says something, check this out for yourself. You know, he says, he says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Duh. That is so true, folks. He isn't, you know, God isn't Chinese. Excuse me. He isn't German. You know, he isn't an American. He's God. He loves everybody. So he's trying to reach everybody. And so Peter gets that vision. He gets the scales off his eyes. He says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons that in every nation finally gets a vision unto you, unto your children, unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Wow, he's getting his eyes open. This is for the whole world. Wow. And it is, folks. That's what makes this thing so exciting. And so the Bible says that Peter came in and he perceived that God is no respecter of persons, that anybody in any nation who fears God, never forget that, folks. This is one of the things that our culture is teaching people not to do. And you would do yourself a disservice not to fear God. I'm not talking about being scared. I'm talking about the reverence and the esteem that, God, you're the boss. What you got to say is more important than what I have to say. What you're doing, Lord God, is more important than what anybody in this world is doing. Come on, can somebody lift their hand? right now and ask God to give you a little bit of the fear of the Lord come on right now it's not a bad pill it's not going to make you a freak it's going to help you to become closer to God than you ever have before it's going to help you to accept, accept this word like not, never before oh hallelujah praise the name of the Lord wow wow praise God I know I got one yeah here it is Amen, oh, that's you, isn't it, yeah, this is almost as good as God's, I found this little thing around on piano, see my Keith Green little thing here, all I gotta do is come to piano and be faithful, and look what happens, here's my reward. That is awesome. Praise God. So the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is what helps us to place ourselves with a proper attitude before God. And Peter saw that. He said, anywhere. It doesn't matter where they're at. If they'll fear God and do righteous. The word means they're literally to do what's right. He said, God will accept them. See, we've had something that has been very, very popular in our so-called denominal movement here for a number of years. It was when I first came to the Lord. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I'm not condemning that, folks. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it isn't biblical. You'll not find that in the Bible. It's not there. What you will find in the Bible is that God has accepted us. That's how it is. We don't accept God. God accepts us. And then based upon that principle, we can approach God. See, a lot of this stuff is very foreign to us because when they had kings and they had rulers in the, in, you know, back in the old days like that, that's how it was. You didn't walk up to the castle and knock on the door and say, hey, king, I'm here, man. Hey, let me in. I've got something I want to talk to you about. No, that's not how it worked. You had to be invited. You had to be let in the door. The king was a very important person. Now, listen to me, folks. God's very, very, very important. And he's already issued an invitation for you to come, praise God. And that's why fear, reverencing, esteeming, respecting God is so very, very important in our approach to God. Amen. And that's what Peter began to see. And the long story short here, and you can study it for yourself in the 10th chapter of Acts, he began to preach Jesus to them. And the Bible says, I don't know if he's halfway, three-quarters, only a quarter of the way through his message, but during his message, the Bible says the outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened just like it did in the second chapter of the book of Acts. And everybody in that house, I don't know how many was there, it doesn't tell me, but everybody in the house, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues and began to magnify God. Amen. And Peter, not being some scholar, he could recognize that's what happened on the day of Pentecost with us. And so he identified, praise God, with what was happening. And as soon as they were done, I don't know how long that little prayer meeting went on, Peter issued a command. See, you'll never receive the commands of God unless you have a fear of God. You won't. You just won't. You'll just dismiss them as, well, God didn't mean that for me. And listen to me, folks. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. So think about these things. I know I'm throwing a lot out at you right now, but I, 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 you know, God reminded me again this morning in prayer that I can get my point across. He can do that. And so just like me, when I first came into the church, a, a very foreign church to me, God used different people and different methods to get my attention and show me the word. I believe the same thing is in operation right here today. God is doing the same thing in your life right now. Amen. And isn't that that brilliant of God? And by the way, he's the only one that could pull this off. There is nobody else that could pull this off in Jesus' name. Why don't we just take about 15 seconds and absorb this? You could close your eyes. You could lift your hands. You could lift up your voice. However you feel like you want to do it. But I'm going to take about 15 seconds and let that absorb in. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for all of this. What a God, not a respecter of persons, that God, if we'll fear you and want to do what's right, you're going to open up the windows of heaven to us. Mmm, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, and I am absolutely just ecstatic, Lord God, of what you got to do in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Okay, I have a list of things that I need to do here today, so I'm going to try to get them... As many of them accomplish as I can, okay? Now, I told you uh, uh, Hebrews chapter number 6, and the Bible talks about that word doctrine, okay? And notice this. These are six things that I know that God will deal with us about. He will. Amen. The Scripture says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Notice that. This is a King James Version Bible, and that's what's on the screen. So think about it. The doctrines of Christ. Look at somebody and say, the doctrines of Christ look at somebody else and say this is what jesus taught that's what that means the doctrines the teachings of christ what did jesus center upon when he was in this earth you know did he you know was he just trying to get a food bank going and and so he could feed everybody that was hungry no he was concentrating on doctrine and that's why he picked disciples and apostles to really pour that into And that invitation is an open invitation. If you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to get a huge amount of doctrine poured into you. Some of you already know what I mean, because that's what you did. That's what happened. Okay. Well, what are these doctrines? He said, let us go on to perfection or completion. The word perfection, a lot of times in the New Testament, King James Version Bible, means complete. Doesn't mean you never make a mistake. It means that you become complete, okay? Well, the Bible says not laying again the foundation of, here's one of them, okay? Repentance from dead works. There's a lot of things I do, you do, that really are going to carry very little meaning in life. Amen. So repentance from dead works is important. That's number one. Number two is faith toward God. There's an important ingredient, not just any faith. A lot of folks have faith in themselves. They have faith in the stock market. They have faith in their football team. They have faith in all kinds of stuff. But faith towards God will generate some things that these other things will not. Those are two, repentance and faith. Okay? Now think about this. And maybe when you go home today or maybe sometime this next week, you'll begin to realize what God is trying to talk to you about. Maybe some of the songs that you heard, maybe some of the things that people said to you are going to begin to make some sense. Yeah, God is trying to talk to me about this. Then it says in verse number two, the doctrine of baptisms. Amen. I used to, it was taught to me that that's talking about baptism of water and baptism of the spirit, which I do agree with. But I have since learned that the doctrine of baptisms is a more bigger, or has a bigger principle than that. That the, the principle of God is not to have a little dab. The principle of God is to be fully emerged in everything. That's why these services seem foreign to some of you because you've been to churches where, man, they don't get on it like this. Man, alive. I had somebody one time meet me back at the back of the door, um, and that was unusual because usually they go, (laughs) they run away, you know. But uh, they met me at the back of the door, and they said, my God, you take this thing serious. And I said, really? I said, yes, you're absolutely right. I didn't get into this thing not to take it serious. So that's how it is. And so I want to be fully emerged. Not only in Jesus' name baptism, which I was 43 years ago, and in, in, in about two days after that or a day and a half, three days after that, I was fully emerged with the Holy Ghost. And I've had that happen to me many, 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 many times. But, folks, I want to be fully emerged in meekness. I want to be fully emerged in forgiveness. I want to be fully emerged in, 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 in repentance, everything. Praise God. I want to just get in not only with both feet, but everything in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That's what you feel in an apostolic church to a certain degree. So the doctrines of baptism not only encompass Jesus' name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but I think a whole lot of other things too. And then it talks about and the resurrection of the dead. Praise God. That's an important thing. Why is that important? It's because it gives me the hope that it's not all in this life, that there is something a whole lot more and better going to happen after this. And many of you have been acquainted to this in a certain way, certain means. Amen. And then it talks about, um, you know, um, it says the laying on of hands. I'm sorry, I got those two mixed up. But the laying on of hands, you'll see us do that from time to time. I had you do that this morning. And you'd probably some of you didn't even know that was a doctrine. It is. Laying hands on one another. Praise God. And there's things that happen when we begin to have faith in the things of God and do what he tells us to do. And then the last one is eternal judgment. There is going to be a judgment time. Praise God. The beautiful thing about us doing, having fear of the Lord and want to do what's right down here is that that judgment, praise God, will not be an effect to us. It's already been done. Amen. We obeyed God, and now his judgment, praise God, has been exempted. And all the way through the history of of God's movement, you've seen that happen. God has done that with people in Jesus' name. And so consider these things, these six doctrines, six specific doctrines, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And never forget this in verse number three. This we will do if God says we can do this. That one we forget. You and I aren't in charge of this. God is. And so many of you are being dealt with in Jesus' name in that way. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody say doctrine. It is important. You know where you were in January 26, uh, uh, 1986? Does anybody know where they were at? You weren't, oh, I keep forgetting that. Some of you weren't even born yet, were you? Wow. Well, I was. I, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was in Galena, Illinois. I was going to Bible school, and while I was going to Bible school, I was selling copying machines. And I was d- over there at a real fancy hotel. They had a real fancy hotel over in Galena, Illinois, and I was calling upon one of the um, um, uh, managers of that place, and we were trying to sell them a copying machine. And I'll never forget, it came on the screen. And um, it just took us all back. And it was about, uh, I don't know how long it was after it happened, but, but seven sec- or 17 seconds after they had lifted off, the Challenger blew up in the sky. Ronald Reagan was the president. I'll never forget, this was a very, very, it, it, it took everybody. It's kind of like President Kennedy being shot. That never happened to us before, you know, like that, in public, you know. And so this was a kind of a, a God moment. I went, whoa, you know, mankind, we, we just thought we could just, you know, do everything, you know, and that type of thing. And, and it was a sad ordeal. I'm not here to bring back a bad memory. I want to make a point about this today and help, maybe help somebody. But on January twenty eighth, 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger broke apart 73 seconds into flight. And man, that was all over the news, they showed it. And people were just in shock. I remember in that hotel, in that lobby where they had, even then they had a couple of different big TVs there, and people were just going around and you could see they were in dazed. You know? Well, the thing of it is the entire vehicle disintegrated after an O-ring seal on its right solid rocket booster. I have no idea what that means. But uh, failed at liftoff. An O-ring failed that caused this big, huge accident to take place. Now, that, they didn't know that right away, but after investigation and that type of thing, that's what they found out. Now, the failure caused a breach joint, I don't know what that means either, allowing pressurized hot gas to reach an external fuel tank. I do know what that means. It's like lighting a a torch and throwing it down your gas tank. Yeah, something's going to happen, you know. The structural failure of the external tank broke up Uh, The orbiter, the O-ring breakup, caused the disaster. That's what they determined, that that little O-ring, because it wasn't seated properly or had some kind of a malfunction, caused that complete disaster. The Challenger catastrophe tragically illustrates the importance of one small thing. Now, the reason I I said a lot of the things that I said coming up to this point is because I believe that God will deal with us about those little things in our life. It's not some huge crashing thing that comes through the roof that just sets our world apart. A lot of times how God deals with things is in very small, subtle ways. Praise God. The devil learned that from God, by the way. But the bottom line is God, that's what he'll do. And if you'll recognize that, you can begin to seek that out, and you can begin to find some real good answers for your life. Now, listen to this. How many times have you looked at your problems... Amen. And told yourself that things are just too complicated to fix. I'm not afraid to admit that. Folks, I was a mess when I came to God. I wasn't some pioneering executive that had everything right in their life, stepping into the office of God and saying, let me join your forces. No, I was a mess. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Now, my outside didn't show that, but boy, the inside was, was all over the map. And so that's the way it is with us. You know, we get looking at our problems, and we say, hey, we can't fix that. Well, maybe the cause of today's mess actually started years ago. Now, think about this. You can't go back and undo it to come up with a different result. You see, there's no rewind button in life. Amen. You can't do that. And that's what we wish sometimes. We wish God would land this little time machine in our yard so that we could get in it and we could go back in time and we could fix all the stuff. Guess what would happen, folks? Without God, you'd screw everything up again. And then again. And then again. And this is the point I'm really trying to make, and that's why doctrine is so important. If you'll begin to be able to receive teaching from God, what you're going to do is do more than just fix the O-ring. You're going to begin to fix a lot of things in your life. But this is what, again, we sometimes avoid. Now, life seems complicated when you want to do something and you aren't allowed to do it. When you have to do something but don't have the money. When you did, when you did something that you shouldn't have. When you didn't do something and later you wish you had. Boy, we're all full of that. All of us have those regrets. When you loved a person who didn't love you in return. When you loved and later realized you didn't really love that person in the first place. When you committed and then changed your mind too late. Yeah, life does seem complicated. It does when we're in the driver's seat. And listen to me, folks. It doesn't get any less complicated. It gets more complicated. But am I talking to somebody here today that would like to like to maybe have somebody come on board, praise God right now, and really begin to straighten things out. Yeah, I sense that. I sense that in you. And by the way, I believe that's one of the big reasons you're here today is you want God to do something. Now let's take some examples here, okay, because you die if you don't have them. The Bible is full of examples. It really is. And it's not trying to rub people's face in the mud. It's just trying to teach us that you don't have a corner on screw-ups, You're not the first person that came to God and said, you know, God, I really need you. (laughs) You know, I can hear God going, oh, really? You know, yeah, he already knows that. And he's got that well intact, folks. He doesn't hold that against you. You're not the first person to do that. Now, let's talk about some people here. David. If David, now think about it. You know, the major screw-up in David's life, or one of the major screw-ups in David's life was what? Do you remember the lady's name? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Yeah, Well, where was David supposed to be if he had only gone to war? If David would have just said, listen, I need to be out there in the battlefield. Do you see what he could have avoided? And if you really study that tragedy in his life, you're going to find that David never lost a battle up to that time. Seriously. See, our bad behavior does and will have adverse effects on us that's not God hating you. That's an O-ring in your life that's ready to explode. Now, I'm not viewing this as a threat to you. I'm trying to help somebody get something revealed to you this morning. My dependence on God isn't less. It's more. Man, 43 years ago when I first came to God, I didn't realize how much I really needed him. But every day as I've grown with him and he's had mercy after mercy upon me and grace and that type of thing, I've learned I need him more and more and more and more, not less and less and less and less. That's what you have come into. That's why the apostolic church appears different because you're looking at people that you, you think, man, they can't get enough of this, can they? These people would sit here and worship God all day and all week if they let them. You're right. It's because we want the doctrine of baptisms in our life. We want to be fully immersed in the things of God. We don't want to sit there like some mannequin in 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 a stadium somewhere just observing what's going on in the field. We want to get down there and we want to play the game. We want God to begin to show us how things work in the name of Jesus. And that's what you've come into. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. That's what makes this difference. Years ago, somebody preached a message and, I, and it, it made sense to me. It says that, you know, Pentecost is not a spectator sport. It's a participant. You participate in this stuff. That's what happened to me. I got involved, praise God, even before I came and went to any of your services. I was baptized in Jesus' name on a Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock, Praise God. And I had stammering lips when I came out of the water, praise God. And the guy says, man, you got stammering lips. I had no idea what he was talking about. I just asked him, is that good? He said, yes. You know, and he said, man, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. I said, hey, let's do it. Right. He showed me the sanctuary. i never never been to one of his services before. Praise God, and this was Thursday, praise God. I had Friday and Saturday to ponder it, but man alive, I was there 10 o'clock, boy, Sunday morning. You guys were juking and jiving even back then, even with the hymns, even without drums. I'm telling you folks, I could feel the spirit of God when I walked in those doors. Amen, and it made sense to me. I said, man, this is the way church should be. This is the way, now you weren't perfect. Come on, you weren't perfect. And I didn't know any of you. I didn't know any of you. But I slipped in the back door, man, In my little, you know, Iowa way of doing things, I just sat in the back there and just observed. But, man, I couldn't observe very long because you were singing songs. Even those hymns sounded good to me. Praise God. And I remember the pastor meeting me, in, you know, back there, and he, he said, hey, you came. I said, sure. He said, you come and you get the Holy Ghost. I said, how does this work? He said, well, at that time, he said, will you come down to the altar? I said, when? I didn't know nothing. I didn't know how, where to sit. He said, well, I'll tell you what. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. He told me. I said, well, let me know when I'm supposed to do this. You know, and I've come to found that, find out that you don't even have to wait on that anymore. But the bottom line is, he said, well, you know, I usually I'll get up and preach on Sunday night and, and, you know, and that type of thing. And he did, man. It was preaching. But I'm going to tell you right now, and this is the flaw. I wasn't even listening to what he was saying. I was looking. When do I come down? I'm serious. That's how I operate. You tell me something, man. I'm going to believe you. And I'll never forget he preached. I don't know how long. It was too long for me. I only wanted about a three-minute message and then tell me to come. But after he got done preaching, and I soon found out I wasn't the only only guy in a place. It wasn't all about me. Praise God. But I'll never forget, man, he got done. I at him. And, you know, he's looking at me, you know, and he's kind of smiling. I, I couldn't imagine what he was thinking. You know, what? Where did this hippie come from? You know, we've got to start locking the back door, you know. I mean, we've got to start, you know, that kind of stuff. I had my leather fringe jacket on, you know, and I, you know, that type of thing. And he, you know, he looks, I had, took it off, okay. But the thing of it is, I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden he goes, You didn't have to ask me twice. Now listen to me, folks. I'm trying to make a huge point here. What happened to that about us? Why do we hesitate? Why are we sitting there gripping that chair, man, and, 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 and trying to resist the things of God? Now come on, folks. You got an open air here. You can receive the things of God. I'm telling you right now, somebody in this place, you need a healing. And I have no idea what it is, but God wants to do it right now. He wants to touch your life. Why don't you just lift up your hand right now? Let's give God an opportunity to move amongst us here for a few minutes. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you, God wants to do something great, fantastic. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Yes, that's it. Come on, I'm telling you, cancer is no, cancer has nothing on God. Come on, I don't care what the report is. Depression. I really feel depression has got to go in this place. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of its noose. I'm tired of its ball and chain. I'm tired of it, man, just messing with people in the name of Jesus. I command that depression right now in the name of Jesus to leave. Yes. Oh, my God. Goodness! Oh, yala ba komando ba barita ha! Oh my! Moshe baroto komaha! Jesus, Jesus! Yes, Lord God, let it flow. Let it be like a river, a river, a river! Oh, mata kamondo bo shata ha! Kia yala ba komando ba barita ha! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Praise Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, folks, it's real. It's real. We don't have to sit here and try to figure it out. And I've made so many times have I made that mistake. That, Lord, I've got to figure this out before I do it. And God says, no, you don't. You just have to learn to follow me. Right, right, right. Now, listen to me. I understand psychology a little bit. And they talk about the mind being the intellect. And I believe that God gave us intellect. We can, we can figure some things out. And then the heart, they talk about being the emotional side of this thing. And I'm not quite sure if that's you know, for sure. But I understand emotions do play into this. And one of the things that the Holy Ghost has helped me over the years is to help me control my emotions. Amen. When Adam and Eve messed up in the garden and they were taken out of that environment, one of the things that was prevalent in the garden was the Spirit of God. It was there and they were, con- they were being led by the Spirit. But now they went into a world that they had to depend on their intellect and their emotions. And it's no reason that just within a few years, the whole thing just comes apart. The O-ring blows it up. And that's where some of you are at right now. I'm not saying you're not sincere. I'm just saying it's not going to work. And that's not a prophet of doom. That's just the way it is. Amen. And so God can help us. You know, God can help us not to become a catastrophe. Because believe, believe me, it will. It will become catastrophic. And that's why my efforts are, are in God. My daily efforts are with him. Amen. And I know I've been called a fanatic, a freak, whatever the case is, but I call myself very fortunate to have found before the O-ring got real bad in my life. And that opportunity is for Everybody. It really is. God is trying and not trying. God is. God doesn't try. He's not, you know, writing a thesis on becoming a better God. He's already there. God is reaching people. I've just learned that sometimes we just don't even recognize it anymore. And these doctrines will come up in Jesus' name. Now the bottom line here folks is there was just a small thing that caused that catastrophe. And I'm not here to blame NASA or blame anybody. I'm just saying it's amazing to me that one little small thing that if it would have been put into motion could have avoided a catastrophe. And God can do that. Now I'm I'm going to spend about 10 minutes here and then I'm going to unhook and maybe sing a song and give you a chance to contemplate this stuff. But I'm going to give you four things that you can consider. Amen. Little things in your life that maybe you can, you can um, uh, begin to understand, praise God. Uh, along with that, the scripture says in Revelation chapter 17, you can put that on the screen, Jeremy, 17 and verse number 14. 17, 14. We were talking last night about the second coming of the Lord. I have no idea when he's coming back. After 43 years, you think I would, but I still don't know when. I know he's coming. Oh, you got my little Carnahan theory. Remember that one? Come on, when's God coming back? Yeah, hopefully it won't be daylight savings time, right? He's come back between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, somewhere it'll be that. Yeah, but absolutely, other than that, I have no clue. I just know he is. Now, the, 14th chapter of the, book of, or the 17th chapter of the book of Revelation is talking about a little bit of that business. And here's something that I, I am aware of, the fact. The Bible says in verse number 14, there's war that's being taken place here. And the Bible says, and these make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. That's one thing I do understand. I can follow God's lead because he's an overcomer. It says, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and they that are with him, that's me, are called, chosen, and faithful. I've underlined that in every Bible I have, because that's me. I recognized his call. I chose to follow that call. And right now I'm in the 43rd year of trying to be faithful to that. That's how it works with me, folks. Very simple. Very simple. These are the things that, that, that are the utmost importance in my life, in Jesus' name. And so God has called us for these things. And so think about this. One of, the, one of the things that God, number one, one of the things that God has called us to do is to walk with him. In the Old Testament, the book of Amos talks just makes a general statement, Amos 3 and 3, It just says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Reason why you and I struggle walking with God is because of that. Because we're in disagreement. Amen. And we have to work on that one. Now, I'm not going to tell you right now or be um, smug enough to say, well, I'm in complete agreement with God. (laughs) No. But I will tell you right now that after 43 years, I'm in more agreement with him than I ever have been. And that's why my walk with God is, is, is the way it is, because I just want to be in more in agreement with God. You know? We all have our little theology. We all have our little ways that we were taught when we were kids and all that type of stuff. And I'm not saying you throw the entire thing out, but I'm just saying the important thing, the little thing that you need to begin to be put in your life, is do you want to be in agreement with God? Do you want to agree with him? And you have an opportunity to do that, and so do I, praise God. Now, if you want an example of this, it's found in the fifth chapter of the book of Genesis. And the guy's name is, is um, uh, it's an E word, Enoch. Enoch. Now, it doesn't give us a whole lot of information about Enoch, but in Enoch's day, the world was becoming progressively and more evil. Amen. It's right on the heels of that great earth, or great... Um, um, a flood that God brought onto the world. But there was a person named Enoch that walked with God. He was in agreement with God. And the Bible says he did this for 300 years. That makes my 43 years really pale, doesn't it? It really does. And I'm not belittling or, or lifting. I'm just saying, folks, get into this thing with the idea that I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care if I live to be 300 years of age. Amen. And so the little thing is, be in agreement with God. Walk after what he wants. Begin to make what matters to him matter to you. And what you'll do is you'll be instantly begin to, 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 to see a difference in your life. Amen. And so think about that. Be in agreement with God. Number two is that we need to learn how to work with God. Amen. We need to learn how to work the way he wants us to work. Amen. So many things in this world um, are based upon the problem of human beings coming up with the solution. And that's why we have a mess and we have an array of all kinds of ways to go. And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to begin to walk in agreement with him, number one, and begin to accept his solutions. Accept what he will do for us. And, man, once we start realizing that and we start working with that, boy, you'd be surprised how much progress you can make. I'm talking about even in a very short time. Let me show you something that, that, that kind of illustrates this, okay? I'll give you two, two examples here. One is found in Philippians, the New Testament book of Philippians. And it shares something with us here that I think is, is important, especially with the subject matter that we have at hand here. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter number 2. Oh, I forgot where Philippians is at. Here it is. Okay, Philippians chapter number 2. And you should read the entire chapter, by the way. It's a good chapter. It talks about the mind of Christ. It talks about letting this mind that was in Christ be in you. And that's the thinking. How did Christ think? Okay? Well, the Bible says in verse number 10 that at the name of Jesus, 2 and 10, It says, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then it says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Where's the word there? What's the four-letter word there? See, if you don't have any fear, you're not going to be able to work a lot of things out with God. And that's not being scared of God that you just don't even want to go in the same room as him. That word fear there means to reverence, to esteem, to know that he's better, more important, got everything down that you don't. So the working out with this thing or working with God is to learn to work with fear and trembling. Now, what does that mean? Let me just cl- qualify this. When you're working out the things with God, with fear and trembling, doesn't mean that you're coming up with the solutions. It means that because of number one, you're walking in agreement with Him, that He already has the solution, now I'm going to begin to work those solutions in my life. Is this too complicated? I don't think it is either. I think a lot of people just lose this in the mess of life. Amen. Amen. That there's a lot of O-rings in our life that if we could learn just to take care of that little problem, a lot of other things would just line right up. Now, here's the reason. Look at verse 13. Please observe this. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, God is already wanting to work with you, Amen. The Scripture says in the book of, um, I think it's the Gospel of um, of uh, Mark, Amen. The Bible says that um, the Bible says that Jesus said in chapter sixteen and fifteen, He said, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There's the solution. And then it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then it says in verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, preached everywhere, The Lord working with them. What was he working with them about? Confirming the word with signs following. There it is. That's what you will find in an apostolic church. You will find people who are trying to walk with him in agreement, number one you will find that because people want to agree with God, they're finding solutions. And now God's working with them. He's working with them every day. He's not waiting for them to screw up. He's just waiting for an opportunity to teach them better. And so this is what you can do. And then the third little thing that we have to recognize is we have to recognize that there are opposing forces in this world that there is a demonic kingdom that was banished to this earth. And because of that, praise God, there are evil influences. Let me give it to you in in a nutshell. Look at the book of Ephesians, Jeremy. Put that in there. Ephesians chapter number six. And let me show you something here. Praise God. The Bible says in chapter number six and verse number 10, finally my brethren, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Look at somebody and say, that makes sense. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, you and I must understand that what we want is God to take all of that evil away and put us in a world with a little bubble over us that nothing bad ever happens. And that's not going to happen. What God is going to do is he's going to enable or empower you with the ability to walk through that world and to become effective, even though there's evil in there. And that's why that little thing that God wants to put in your life is to learn to go to war with evil. Amen. Our problem is, or our challenge, and in many of your lives right now, it's probably very prevalent, you went to war with human beings. And that's why you're messed up. That's why your energy is depleted. That's why at the end of the week you just can't even throw your hands up and go, man, I can't do anything. You've got to learn that by walking in agreement with God, by working some things out, God will help you to focus your energy on the things that he wants you to focus it on, and that is on the evil. Amen. And then the last thing that I want to bring to you, praise God, is that we must learn how to love and worship God first, not last, not when things are really bad, not when we don't know what else to do. We must learn how to put God first in our lives, and that's one of the things that you will sense right away when you walk into an apostolic church, that I don't know where these lunatics came from, I don't know where all of these, you know, these basket cases are, but boy, they're sure putting God up there where he belongs. And that's what you sense. And that's why Jesus, he wasn't trying to trying to get you to become perfect. He was just trying to get you lined up so that as you take a trip through this world, you can get an agreement with God. And as I said before, that's an ongoing process. I told you I'm in more agreement with God today than I ever have, and that's not bragging. That's just a challenge to me, because tomorrow i got to get up and do the same thing again. God, I want to be in agreement with you. Whatever I'm doing, I want to make sure that it's okay with you. Amen. And then i got to realize that I'm working some things out. Praise God. That God is helping me to work things out, praise God. And then along with that, I can recognize that there are evil forces in this world that I can put some of my energy towards, in Jesus' name. And then the fourth thing, praise God, is I can concentrate, praise God, I can concentrate on what God wants to do. I'm about done. Let me illustrate this point by an Old Testament story. Children of Israel... came out of Egypt, and they went to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and what they were intended to do from there was to launch 12 guys into the uh, promised land, just kind of spy it out, kind of get the, the, you know, what's going on over there, and then they were to immediately go over to that promised land. Unfortunately, because of what happened, you know, they came back and they brought an evil report with them, and they said, yeah, the land is great, it's got all kinds of benefits and all that kind of thing, but... There's giants there, and I just don't, they don't think we, we don't think we can overcome that. And there were two of them named Joshua and Caleb that said, yes, we can. With God, we can go over there. Amen. Unfortunately, you know, in our world, the majority rules. That can change if you come into the kingdom of God, by the way. But the point of it is it did then. And they had to wait for 40 years. That, and that entire generation of unbelievers had to die off before they went back into that land. But in the book of Joshua, which, you know, um, is a very important book for us to observe, this is what they're doing. They're going into the land. And man, a miracle happens right away. When they get to the Jordan River, you know, it, it does the same thing that the Red Sea did. See, I'm gonna tell you right now, God will bring similarities into your life. And that, sea, that river just quit flowing down. And they were able to cross that river on dry land, which was a sign that God was involved. Right. And when they got over to that, that promised land, praise God, God had already instructed Joshua that, hey, there's going to be some trials. There are going to be some things that are going to have to happen. And one of the first major trials that they came up to was the walled city of Jericho. Has anybody ever heard the story of Jericho? Sure you have. That's one of the reasons I picked it, you know? Well, the walled city of, Jerusalem, or of Jericho stood in the way of them possessing that land. And so here's Joshua. He's coming up to that city. It's walled. And he's probably got his own ideas. But the neat thing about Joshua was he was walking in agreement with God. Amen. And the other neat thing about Joshua was God was working some things out in his life. And another neat thing about Joshua is that he understood that there's some evil things in the world that we can fight against. And Joshua was a worshiper. And so God put forth the plan. Might have sounded like a silly plan to some people, but to Joshua, because he had been doing this with God for over 40 years, he kind of knew this is what God wants. And you know what that plan was? That plan was to march around that city. What? March around the city. Do that... do that for six days. Amen. And then the Bible says the seventh day. Man, we're going to do it a little bit different. And this is how God will operate a lot of times. He doesn't do something different as much as he does more. Anybody ever had God instruct you to start praying more? Worshiping more? You're in a great, great, great company with Joshua. And so that last day, he marches. He said seven days, or seven times we're going to march around that walled city. And the instructions were, praise God. When you get around that city for the seventh time, you are to begin to shout, and you are to begin to praise God, and the trumpets are going to blow, and that type of thing. And can anybody tell me what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling somebody right now, there's a wall of drugs in your life. There's a wall of alcohol. There's a wall of materialism in your life right now. And I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you what God can do. If you will begin to obey Him, and you'll begin to take His instructions, and you'll begin to walk in agreement with Him, and you'll begin to let Him work with you, praise God. And you'll begin to understand there's some evil things that have to go. And praise God, I'm going to worship and I'm going to praise God first. I'm going to put Him first in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something right now, there's some walls that will come tumbling down. I'm telling you, there are some walls that will come tumbling down come on I'm telling you right now it's time that we 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 begin to do the things that God wants us to do in the name of Jesus I'm telling you right now folks that's what's here that's what's here come on let's begin to pray let's begin to touch the Lord right now come on every one of you praise God at least those of you that are doing it you got a word picture in your mind oh hallelujah Come on, I'm not just talking about alcohol and drugs. I'm talking about unforgiveness. I'm talking about praise God, obedience in the name of Jesus. I'm talking about hang-ups. I'm talking about all kinds of things in the name of Jesus that will go down. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. You're doing great. You're doing great. Many of you are beginning to sense, praise God, what God wants to do. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. I wasn't going to do this, but um, uh, God had me to... to to get this song out. And I don't know if I'm going to do the song justice, but the message, I think, is going to...